right. Welcome back to the Catch Pit Show, everyone. It's been a while. I'm joined by one co-host tonight, Neil Pinchard. Hi there, Neil. Mike, I am so happy to be back here, back in the saddle, back on air. I've been jonesing to get back to this. Me too. But I suppose we should talk about our missing comrade. Yes. And I don't know if people know, but, you know, he was called back into active duty. So he said something about SEAL Team 27. I haven't heard of that. Yeah. And I, I hadn't heard about this war in Canada that we're fighting right now. But anyway, uh, maybe you know more than I do. Well, the SEALs are, they're Navy, right? I think he was a Marine. Well, yeah, but isn't the Marines and the Navy part of the same branch? Well, I, I think they I mean, they swim in the same circles. There you go. <laughs> I don't know if he can swim. He's got that plastic pool at his campground. That's but right. Maybe, I mean, I tried to get him to maybe he's a good river. swimmer. Yeah. That's right, exactly. Yeah. And he could be making money in the winter with that. You could ice that up, like a little ice you could. ice river, and you could have yeah. festive music and hot chocolate and all those kinds of fun things, activities for the kids. You could do belly slides, like you see those penguins in the zoos in the wintertime, and they're sliding all over on their big old bellies. I could see Jason doing that, just, you know, <laughs> a beer in one hand. That's right. Well, for those loyal listeners and for those catching up on the podcast, uh, Jason Ritchie is no longer with us. He has just gotten way too busy. The man's got a lot of kids. He's got a lot of irons in the fire, and, and he's trying to make knives at the same time. So he decided a few things had to go to for a little sanity, and this was one of them. It didn't, didn't help that Neil and I used to make fun of him all the time, I guess. But Oh, relentless. Yeah. I don't know. He doesn't listen to podcasts that much, but maybe we can force him to to still listen every once in a while. He, I think he might, for old times' yeah. sake, especially if we're going to make fun of him on every single show. So, that's right. if I were him, I'd I'd want to hear what what the disparaging comments are against him. That's I right. Mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll so. try and sneak a few in every once in a while, but but we miss our friend Jason, and he's still he's still doing well. He's still making knives. He's uh, active on Instagram. You can stay up to date with what he's doing there, and we'll try and give an update every once in a while on the show too. So Heck yes. with that said, I guess it's been a while. I haven't looked back, Neil. Have you looked back? When was the last time we posted a podcast episode? I don't know. The last one was making knives, you know, mainly focused on you and Jason and your expertise. I just kind of hung on for the ride, but it was a, it was a fun show, but that was a that was good the last couple one, of months huh? back. It feels like many, many moons ago to catch, I guess we could, we'll spend some time this evening it's evening while we're recording this. This is the 2nd of January, 2024. We made it to the future. And it's been a crazy few months. And again, I don't remember when the last podcast posted, but since then, I decided that it was time to follow a dream, and that is to move out west. And I started that process in August of 2023. And we quickly decided I couldn't I couldn't do everything. So the podcast had to take a hiatus for a while while I remodeled my house back in Cincinnati. I did that. We put it on the market and sold it. We did not have a house intending to move to northern Phoenix area. And we did not have a house. We just sold the one in Cincinnati, hoping we could find one here, which is a little difficult, but we we did it and we found a home in the area called New River, which is about 40, 45 minutes north of downtown Phoenix. 
and in the foothills, if you will. They call them foothills. For those from Ohio or the Midwest, we call those mountains, but they call them foothills here. <laughs> I don't know what qualifies <laughs> as a mountain for folks out west. I guess something closer to 10,000 feet. I don't know. We're nestled in about as north of Phoenix as you can go before you're just in total blackness, if you will. So we're we're bounded by state land to the north and Tonto National Forest to the west. And that's a great little area. The closest business to me is the Roadrunner Saloon. And that's a lot of fun to, to go there for oh food and maybe some libation and live bull riding every Saturday night. Oh man, that sounds wonderful. Sounded pretty easy, doesn't it? <laughs> and, and Mike, you Probably didn't get snow like we did in Minnesota here over the weekend. But I have to say, we've, we've had the, the warmest and s- most snow-free December we've had in over 100 years. So even though I envy you in a nice warm climate with the sun at your back and the mountains you know, facing you, I, I can't complain that Minnesota has been awful nice for the last month. Well, that's good to hear. You get X number of inches of snow a year, you're, you're bound to get them real soon. We will. We will. Yeah, the weather is pretty cool here. You know, it fluctuates between the 60s and 70s throughout the day, but you kind of go through all four seasons in one day. So that's something new for me. You wake up, it's real cool outside. It's in the 30s. And then, you know, mid-morning, it feels like spring's coming. (laughs) By lunchtime, it's full-blown summer. You're in your shorts and t-shirt. And then, you know, four (laughs) or five o'clock rolls around and it feels like fall. So... It just, you go through all the seasons every single day, I think, here in the winter. But they're calling for uh, cooler weather, like down highs of, in the 40s and 50s here real soon. So do you wear those fancy camping pants that you can unzip the, the legs and zip them back I on? I don't, do you but I need to. have huh? the legs on in the morning and... I just take my pants un- off. Unzip them I just night. walk around without my pants on when it gets With no off. pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need those fancy it, And that's why right. we have an audio and not visual that's right, show, that's right. Mike. That's why this podcast is audio only. It's not audio only. only. Well, I sure didn't remodel a whole home, but I did manage to get through my bathroom. Oh. My wife is so happy. I, I finished off a complete bathroom, which was a pain in the butt, but one one more thing to check off the list. Well, the thing about lists is somebody's always adding to them. At least in my experience, yeah. so I'm sure you got yeah. something else it, brewing in the background. It's it, and it's kind of like painting the Golden Gate Bridge. You know, there's guys that that's all they do is paint the bridge. They start at the at one end, and by the time they get to the other end, they go back and start at the beginning again. Is that true? Is that a true thing? Or are you pulling my chain? I've heard that's a true thing. I've I've not. I'm not a painter. I don't know for certain, but I've heard that story more than once. It, I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, that's a distinct bridge. I've been over it many, many times, and it's a beautiful yep. red. And I'll tell you a quick story. My wife and I were in Portugal once, and we were in Lisbon, which is very reminiscent of San Francisco, minus, you know, needles in the street, and well, the streets are cobblestones in a lot of areas. But you come over the hill and out by the sea is a bridge and you say to yourself, man, that looks a lot like the Golden Gate Bridge. And it's been 20 Hmm. years since I was there, but I think they call it the 1942 Bridge. If I memory serves me right, or 42 Bridge, I don't remember. And it is a sister bridge of the Golden Gate Bridge. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Here you go. 
So if you ever go to same Portugal, architect, same design. Boy, I should have researched that before I opened my big fat mouth. But you know, you can make it up though because I yeah, don't know, and yeah. I'm sure you know. Well, the then bulk it's of the our sister, nice guys the sister know. of the guy that did the Golden Gate Bridge. There you go. Did the one in Lisbon, yep. <laughs> Lisboa, Lisboa. I don't know how they the locals pronounce it. Portuguese. I know you don't speak Spanish in Portugal. If you do that, hmm. That's right. Disrespectful. Whole different language. Disrespectful. Anywho. Um, well, Mike, the show the show wouldn't be the show if we didn't have a little quick Tacoma talk. Yeah, we'll talk so, talk. so I I got a I got a quick little story here. So I bought a new Tacoma after my old Tacoma ran great for 12 years. And I thought, you know what? I want to trade this in and I want to get the last Tacoma that still has the V6 engine because they're going to all the four cylinders. Oh, terrible, terrible. And I'm sure there's nothing wrong with that, but I I just, I, I like the idea of a V6. So anyway, I've, 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 I've owned my Tacoma for a month and every month I go out and see some buddies of mine, some old motorcycle racing buddies. Wait, what and, color is this and, Tacoma? Um, Can you give us some details? What color? What color? Silver. It's silver. Silver? Four wheel drive. Silver. I'm assuming you have snow. Four wheel drive. Okay. Yep. Double cap. Six foot bed, full full back. Oh, you got six um, foot seat. Bed. Oh yeah, big rig. Yep. All right. Because I'm, yeah. I figure if you're gonna have a truck, you got to have a truck that can haul <laughs> things. I, I haul <laughs> motorcycles, kayaks, and the the bad part about that is your buddies and your friends know you got to pick up. Like, hey, if we're not doing anything Saturday, come on over and have a beer and and make sure you bring your truck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What what am I hauling? So anyway, I go out and meet my buddies out in the, kind of, they live out in the boonies. I'm a suburb guy, but my buddies live out in the boonies and there's a great barn restaurant out in the boonies. And we meet up there every month. A bunch of us have beer and burgers. And as we all know, in the wintertime, it gets dark really early. So I leave my house, I don't know, five o'clock. It's about an hour drive to get there. So I'm driving in the in the in the dark. Well, as I'm leaving the beautiful, well lit suburbs, I'm heading into the boonies, and I'm driving in a country road, driving down the road, and I happen to be the first one. It's it's a paved basically highway, fifty five mile per hour, driving sixty probably, and it's a nice night, and I'm just driving along, and all of a sudden, out of the bush comes a, a doe, a, a doe deer, just running to beat heck, running you know right in front of me basically, so. I didn't lock up the brakes, but I'm heavy on the brakes. I'm slowing this this truck down at a really rapid pace. And I knew that that wasn't going to be a problem because he was that doe was just in front of me enough. But as I look over to my left, what's following the doe? A buck. Now, there's no way that buck's, I'm going to miss that. And there's nowhere to go. There's a culvert on both sides. It's a two-lane road. There's a few cars a fair distance behind me, nothing in front of me. And I'm I'm watching that doe go fly, and it all you know, as you know, all this happens in a matter of of seconds. It's like two, three seconds. It's not you mm-hmm. can tell a story that seems like it goes on for minutes, but it's it's seconds. So the doe blasts in front of my truck, and I look over. Here comes this buck, and I'm thinking, oh no, I just bought this truck. So I'm heavy on the brakes. I look over, and I can I can see the I can see the doe in his head, like staring at me through the passenger window. Oh He's coming from my right. And I look over, and then all of a sudden, bam, into the side of my truck. And I thought, son of a gun, I just I just got this. Well, what do you do? So I'm not going to pull over, and the truck's still drivable. So I thought, well, I'll just go to the restaurant, have my beer and burgers, see my buddies, tell the story. 
I get there in the parking lot. It's kind of dark. It's out in the country. I look over in the side of the truck. It didn't look bad. So I went in, I sit at the bar and there's a, this, this is a really popular place. There's a ton of people there. And I start telling the story of my buddies and everybody starts chiming in. I hit a deer. I hit four deer. Oh, I hit three deer tonight alone. And it was just fun because I'm, t- I'm telling the story of the deer running into me, not me running into the deer. And there's just this multitude of stories and deer, you know, problems. And anyway, I drove home the next morning. I got out and there's almost no, no almost no damage, the tiniest little marks. And all I can think, and I don't know, but all I can think is that deer must have turned sideways at the last minute and kind of body slammed my truck, meaning that the, the full weight of the deer was probably taken up by his rib cage and yeah. everything else. And it probably some. displaced yeah. It distributed the weight exactly. So like I said, I, I was just amazed. I thought I was going to have a caved in door and there was just the tiniest little, you know, dings that I'm going to wait till spring and then I'll bring it to a dent guy and have him do a little magic. But oh, that's but I couldn't believe it. That's so there stinks. you go. For all the people out there and anybody who lives in the country, I know you've hit deer and I'd, I'd love to hear your stories down the road. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Mike, have you hit a deer? Uh, no, I, I did. Really? I, I have not, but I did when I was in high school, hit black ice on a bridge and do the old spin. Okay. And as I was spinning, oh, yeah. I spun like a dozen times. And as I was spinning, yeah. there was a group of deer right in front of me, maybe six or seven. And every time wow. I spun, I could just see the lights kind of lighten up, lighting up the deer's eye. And there's oh, yeah. them looking, staring right at me as I'm spinning towards them. It was just like everything was in slow motion, probably like it was for you that night. You know, Mike, you got to you gotta take that whole story from the deer perspective. Now, those deer are getting together every year and they're telling the story yeah. about this car that's spinning sideways and they're watching it and just probably laughing their little tails off yeah. going, look yeah, at that, that dumb tail. son of a gun. Yeah, there's a lot of things you have to look out for here. I do have some damage as well on my Tacoma nowadays oh no i have some pinstriping from what uh from okay off-roading on the trails the cactus okay and creosote and other trees and bushes they're hard on the trucks and you can't help but i mean i mean i've got you can't no uh, where i live is just off-roading paradise i didn't i mean there are side by side and atv rental places just down the street there are yep. major trails right behind my house. I mean, it's it's wall-to-wall off-roading on the weekend. So yep. it, it is nuts as far as that goes. Every every other vehicle is a 4Runner or Tacoma oh, yeah. or something that's yeah. set up to go off the road. So, yeah, yep. I've gotten some pinstriping. And well, I guess we should back up a little bit and maybe talk a little bit more about the move. Because I, I know that we have a lot of knife makers that listen as well, and they're curious about moving a shop across the country. I've already gotten quite a few folks asking to hear about that. So I'm curious. I want to hear about well, it. I don't know if I even want to relive the whole thing. But <laughs> some things are put out of my mind. So, so you bring it up and then say, yeah, but I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Well, as you, you get a lot of time when you're remodeling a house to kind of think about how you're going to move a shop. And by the time I got the house you remodeled, do. I had still not figured out the slightest idea how to move the shop and, you know, a, a four bedroom house for five people and all of our belongings right. over, over the decades. 
I had no idea. But I did find a place, and the name escapes me right now, but it's ABF. Is the When you see those ABF trailers flying down the highway, it's some yeah. subsidiary of them that you can rent one of their trailers. It's 28 foot long. You know, you see them all the time on the highway, tandem configurations, etc. Well, maybe not you if you don't ever get out of the suburbs, Neil, but other people I'm sure do. And right. so you can rent that by the linear foot. It costs you X number hmm. of dollars to rent by, by the foot up to 28 feet. So I said, well, bring me the trailer and I'll take the whole thing. Because I had no idea what it was going to take to get it in there. You went the full 28 feet now, right? Went the full 28 feet. You went by 20 or 22. And I I was living in a suburb as well, in an HOA. So I had called the police department and said, hey, I want to sit a semi-trailer on my driveway, but I want it to stick out into the road a little bit. They're like, can't do that. This is my driveway. doesn't matter. And I said, all right, I'll just park it on the road. And they said, well, you can't do that. Well, how about you give me a permit so I can do that? (laughs) Can't We can't do that. You can park it up the street at a local business or church. I said, I'm packing up my whole house. I'm not I'm not gonna cart like stuff, you know, three miles down the road to uh, another parking lot. So now Mike, now Mike, hold on one second. Yeah. Hold on one. Now did you tell the police this is the reason I'm leaving this state? No, I didn't. I'm not. going somewhere where where a, where a guy can park his stuff wherever he wants. i all I have to worry about is scorpions and snakes. That's so right. So I'm just curious if if you gave him a little, you know static going come on man uh, i did make a backhand comment but Good. i'm not proud of it but i did anyway no did you get cuffed handcuffed? no no so okay. i just went about and did it myself you know i did it anyway so Good. i parked this semi-trailer yeah. on my driveway they park it and they leave yep. it for three days and then you call them yep. or up to three days and then you call them when it's ready they come pick right. it up and it takes they they estimate 10 to 12 days business days to drive it from Ohio to Arizona. So we actually packed up everything before we moved, like two weeks before we moved, so that we knew our stuff would be here by the time we got here, which it was pretty close, but we'll get to that. So we get the truck, the trailer in. I decide, I, I know that you need to like front load these trailers pretty heavy. So I decided, well, I'll put the whole shop in first, and then we'll load the house because, you know, the shop's the most important. Personal belongings. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care. We get this shop in there. It was not fun. My garage was higher than my driveway by eight inches, so it wasn't easy to yep. like, move stuff in and out with an engine hoist or anything like that. We got a, a manual lift. It's kind of like a forklift, but you it's like crank operated. And yep, yep. Uh, it, it was quite an th- ordeal to get everything in there. I had a buddy, Alan, that uh, came over and helped me and my my good neighbor Ward helped me as well. And we got it all in there, the whole shop, and we bolted. It had the trailer had just a little bit of the uh, wood in the floors. I think two strips of wood, probably where forklifts drive up and down in the trailers. And right. so I just bolted machinery down to the wooden floors where, where available yeah. and block things and strap things and just did my best to make sure nothing moved. But it, it was a lot of weight. I, Estimated about 8,000 pounds that went in there from the shop. Of your total 28-foot trailer, how many feet did your shop take up? It took up about half of it, maybe okay. maybe a third to a half. But I also had kind of like uh, garage stuff in there as well and other tools and yep. workbench, you know, right, right. tool chests and that kind of stuff. 
So you still had room for a couch and some chairs and... That's right. So we kind of did the 2023 thing and bought a house off the internet, but I actually flew out and made sure the house was like reasonable. There weren't any crazy neighbors, which there's always a crazy neighbor, but I came out here and and saw the house and figured "Eh, it'll work for us. And my wife had never seen it, but she's got the blueprints. She's got all the pictures. She's had FaceTime and video and all that kind of stuff. But she kept bring she kept packing stuff, and I I keep saying like the houses in Arizona don't have basements. So we were coming from a midwestern <laughs> home, you know, two story house with a basement, and things just came kept coming footage. out of the front door. I'm thinking to myself, where where in the new house is this going to go? So she didn't want to hear about it. She wanted all the stuff out here. So we packed that thing, and we packed. There was not a molecule of air left in that truck. Not a molecule. <laughs> Packed it hard. And uh, my kids all helped. They did a great job, actually. Like little monkeys in that truck, packing everything. Yep. We did not get it all on the trailer. So. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. 28 feet and couldn't couldn't pull it off. So I actually had to rent a U-Haul trailer and pull that behind the Tacoma. So, all right. So we're, I'm at the U-Haul place and they've got two trailers that are, in, I want, I wanted to enclose. I'm going clear across the country. Well, yeah. Can't have your undies blowing down the road. Yeah. Right. It, it was something like n- close to 2000 miles. I don't know what that is in kilometers for all of our European friends, but it was a lot of kilometers. Yeah. I wanted something enclosed and they had two options, like a five by eight, five foot by eight foot in a six by 12 and the six by 12 was a tandem axle which i wanted but i was looking at the weights it was extra like thousand pounds or 1200 pounds Ah, and i i got to thinking and i'm looking at all the stuff that i still need to pack and i'm like that is going to be heavy load plus you know one or two kids my wife was going to drive our other vehicle and you're going to put the kids in the trailer too well yeah you don't want to. <laughs> you don't have to deal with like. Oh, I got to. I got to pee. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we're driving straight through. We're no stopping. Anyway, so I go with the smaller trailer, and oh, disappointed. I know, right? I it was brand new, so I'm like, oh, you know, the chances of like bad bearings or wheel blowing out or something like that. So I went with it. And I packed that thing to the brim. I loaded the back of the truck up as well and the cab of the truck. So I was loaded down, which I really did not want to drive across the country with that truck loaded. And I've pulled trailers with it before, but away I went. So it did okay. You know, it it didn't like the engine, that V6 and that Tacoma's got more than enough power, even up going up the Rockies and like New Mexico. It was not a problem yep. at all. And that trailer was well past the recommended weight, I'm sure. It, it did pretty good, but it the transmission, not so much. Back and forth, fifth gear, sixth gear, fourth gear. I locked out fifth and sixth throughout many of the hilly sections and just yep. let it rev. Because <laughs> I was tired good. of hearing a shift. Good. To the casual listener, that, that might sound crazy, but... That is annoying when a vehicle sits there and shifts back and forth all the time. I agree. But it worked pretty good. We we drove it in like three and a half days, I think. We drove from Cincinnati to St. Louis, St. Louis to Amarillo, 
Now, I wouldn't call Amarillo one of my favorite places, and they had like the biggest rodeo of the year going, so there was no hotels. Wow. I got to drive around Amarillo, and like the it was freezing cold out. I swear I saw snow in Texas. Yeah. But And then we went from Amarillo all the way to Flagstaff, which, of course, was also cold, and then Flagstaff here the next day. So overall, went pretty well. And then our stuff showed up Good. in like a day or two. Is your shop all set up now? Or are you? I know you've been working on it. We've been kind of talking about it a little bit. Yeah. Or you do you feel like you're in a good, good, uh, good place shop wise? Yeah. So the shop set up. The house has a three car garage, and one of the garages was like I don't know, fifteen feet by twenty six feet. So I split yep. that garage off. I just built a wall, which you wouldn't think a wall would cost a lot of money, but it does cost a lot of money to build a wall. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I built a wall with a door in it, and then I built another door out the back so I can open it up and look at the mountains. I got mountains on on the front and back of the house. I have windows on one side so I can see mountains out those windows too while I work. Thankfully, those windows are pretty high up, and or else I'd be staring out them all the time. But I was gonna say that sounds like a distraction to me. I think you better put some curtains up there and you know well, focus on. It was the work, funny. Man. I was putting the finishing touches on the shop, and I was hanging some additional lighting. And I was up on the ladder, and I was hanging this light. And I looked down, and there is a coyote just right outside the shop, just staring no up right at me, yep. just staring at me. Very cool. Put the chill right down my spine. So I opened hmm. the door. Yell at him. Let he, him in. He took Petted him. him. Yeah. <laughs> lots Gave of him a sandwich. Lots of coyotes. <laughs> we, we're fairly north of civilization. So there's still some mountain lions around. There's yep. ha- what they call javelina, kind of like a hog almost. And hmm. um, yeah, we have lots of road runners that love to run through the yard. And we have um, quail that look like runner, road runners and behave like road runners. So those are pretty fun as well. And the quail are like always walking in the shop when I leave the door open. Can a roadrunner fly? A roadrunner can fly. Or are they strictly? They can fly. They, they can fly. Okay. They'll fly a little bit. Like they'll fly and like okay. sit on top of a fence or telephone pole or not telephone pole, but you know, something eight, 10 feet off the ground. Maybe like a turkey. Yeah. I've never kinda seen kinda a like, roadrunner. Um, I just assumed from the like cartoons they could fly. You know, fly. peacocks can fly. Okay. Okay. So- yeah. Huh. Yeah, they're fun to watch. Very cool. That's the that's the Tacoma moving across the country story. Don't recommend it, really. Maybe with a manual transmission, I'd recommend it. Well, let's jump right into a knife story, oh, because yeah. I just saw yeah. your new website. Mike, you got a really cool looking new website, and I saw on there a new knife you just released, and you said it's the best knife you have made to date. So I want to hear about that a little bit. Well. Better action. Better, Better action. fit and finish. Fit and finish, but hopefully just as good as always. But I, I, okay. I've been playing around with the action, which I'm always like obsessed with the action on knives. Because, I know you are, and your action's already phenomenal. Well, I just want that fidget factorness to it. I like that satisfaction you get when it's buttery smooth, and yeah, just, you feel the clicks in half and open and close. Yeah, I just keep futzing with it, so. While I've been doing all this remodeling and driving around the country, I've been constantly thinking about how to how to improve that and talking with other knife makers and that kind of thing and batting around yep. ideas. So that was the first one out the door with that, and I'm pretty happy with it. 
In fact, I just hand delivered it. Today's the second, like we've said. I just hand delivered it to the customer who happened to be in the Phoenix area visiting relatives. So that was super fun. Met up at Chipotle, got a little grub, handed him a knife. It was fun. Outside, eating outside, of course, in the January. You're welcome. I can't imagine how neat it is for a knife maker to actually hand his knife to the customer rather than mailing it because you get to see their face, see their reaction, see them handle the knife, open the knife, close the knife. To me, it's almost like if I was a knife maker, I'd want to do that with every knife I made. I'd want to hand it to the guy in person and and just judge his his expressions, judge his emotion. I, it, just, it just sounds like the, the most rewarding thing. Yeah, that you was know. fun because sometimes you send knives off, you never hear, never hear I know. back. And, yeah, you know. Hopefully, yeah. they're happy with it, etc. And I try to follow up with yeah. a lot of people, but I can't follow up with every yep. customer. But hey, getting back to we just mentioned a second ago about the the blade pull, and I'm always curious. You know, everybody has their own what they think is the is the perfect pull, and, and oddly enough, I think some guys think pulls are too strong giving to another guy saying, well, no, that's perfect. And other guys saying, this is not strong enough. It it doesn't, it just doesn't feel like it's got enough, you know, oomph there. And, and I'm curious when makers get together, do, do you guys, do you guys compare the, the pull? And I'm not talking about the smoothness. I'm talking about what it takes to open that knife, you know, open it and close it. And, and it, do you think that there's a commonality between makers saying this is the perfect pull? And and I think a lot of that is personal preference, but I'm still thinking as a knife maker, is there, is there any consensus that goes, yeah, this is about right? I don't, I don't think there is. I, I really don't. I don't think there is either. I think that if knife makers get together and look at knives, we, we do talk about the action and the smoothness of yeah, it. Yeah, but not the pull. Not the pull, unless it's like insanely hard to open or it's super wimpy and weak. Right. You know, you might say, oh, it's a little, a little strong for my liking. You know, okay. After, after you go through two pairs of vice grips to open the thing. But <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think that that's really subjective. And in fact, for me, it's subjective day by day, minute by minute sometimes. You know, when I- Oh, I agree. No, I a agree. knife together, you know, there's there's some break in period there where I might open and close that thing a hundred yeah. more times, and yep. you start to lose sense for if, is it hard or not. You know, I've seen right. some knives out there kind of strong pulls, and as long, if they're smooth, it doesn't really feel like they're hard pulls, but they right. they are a little harder. So I do keep a knife on my workbench that I consider like really good as far as yep. action and pull. So I'll try and use that to compare to. Because a lot of times I'll just lose that sense of, is this too hard or not? I know. Yeah. I'm sure we've talked about it before, and I and I do not remember. Do do all or most of your knives have a half stop? I pretty much do it all the time. I've done a few That's cam, thought. cam tangs, okay. traditional looking patterns, and they just, they're not big sellers. Guys like the half stops. It's, you know, more fidgety. It's more fidgety, and this is another topic that's been brought up on forums over and over and over again, half stop, no half stop. Personally, myself, I I really do like a half stop better than not. Nothing wrong with a knife, with a cam knife like you're talking about, and I, I have many, many, many of those. But it, if you were to ask me, would you rather have it, it really would be a half stop. It's also kind of, kind of fun. I don't know if any of your knives have had square flush 
you know, ends on them. <laughs> you know, sometimes you'll have a half stop yeah. where, you know, you're, you're recessed into a rounded bolster, but there's always that cool look when the knife is closed and the whole end is just absolutely yeah. flush across. Yeah. We've talked about that before with the Remington knives. I know, and, and I forget. Propaganda, but I have not made a, a flush knife like that. It's on my list, okay. but nothing that, you know, typically those types of knives are pretty big or at least those older patterns. So I haven't, Right. Haven't really ventured into that territory. As we're as we're saying that I'm holding a I always have a table full of knives and I'm holding a couple here and I I just picked up a real nice Russell, an old Russell Navy knife with with the Navy knife etched on the blade. Nice. And here's another knife that I think is important to have a half stop because it's a it's a big blade. It's a you know it's a it's a real working man's knife. Obviously, it's a it's a navy or a sailor's knife. But I'm thinking of all the blades that I would want a half stop on. This is definitely one of them because it's it's a it's a handful. Like I said, it's got a big blade, and to know that as I'm closing this knife, I kind of get this this almost like a safety on a gun that I've got the safety where this blade closes halfway and I get a chance maybe to regrip it, to reposition my hand and then, you know, finish closing it. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there's certain circumstances where I think a half stop is, is not just a preference. It's, it's really, I think part of the tool it's, it's a, it's feature that almost should be there. And this is a great example, I think, of of a knife that really should have a half stop. Fair point. Some people like that added safety thing. I think you get a half stop in reality from a cam action knife anyway. When you open a cam tang, it's it uh, you're gonna open it halfway. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Hey, it served it served people fine for hundreds of years. I bet it was uh, well. Yeah, but but there's an awful lot of English knives going way back that, that has, had half stops. Yes, so yes, yeah, lots of them. And I think we yeah. talked about this. I picked up at the last blade show. I picked up what was it? I think it was a king cutter. One blade had a half stop, and one blade had cam. You're right. Action. You're right. And that unique. is that is strange. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Love that knife. That is wild. Yeah. You've just sold a knife. What have you got coming up? What are you working on or what have you got? Well, I've got a new pattern I've been working up. I'll hold it up to the camera for Neil. We won't reveal anything okay. yet. Ooh. Um, it's just been together, so it's still really rough. But um, Ah, really cool. It's actually just a straight jack with some freshened up lines to it, you know? But you have not made that pattern before, have I you? I have not. I, I designed this That's myself. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's very cool, Mike. We'll see. Uh -huh. I'm gonna carry this. I'm gonna. I don't have any of my own knives, so I'm bound to determine. To, <laughs> uh, over the last few months, I've been asked so many times for to see one of my knives. I'm bound to determine to keep this one. So, but right, I also good. have bills to pay. <laughs> A lot of bills for moving. I so know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if I uh, if I lose it or not. But yeah, lots of knives coming. A new website. I actually changed my name. So. Before I've I've gone by Mike Moran knives everywhere, email, yep, Instagram, website, all that kind of stuff, and I did that on purpose because I didn't want to like, you know, there was a, a very famous Moran that went before me that made knives, and I didn't want to assume that name and kind of take over that spot on the internet. It's time to just take that, and I did. So my website's moranknives.com now, and you can mostly find me by Moran Moran knives out there. 
Okay. That's, when you said change names, I thought maybe you're Bob Johnson now. <laughs> yeah, you, right. You know, right. Something. I might no. be if the state of Arizona <laughs> would ever give me a business license. So we'll there see. you go. Gosh. <laughs> well, your website is very nice. So I'd encourage anybody out there to go out and uh, check out Mike's new site. And it's, uh, it's mighty spiffy looking. Well, it's something. You know, that website, I posted a little bit about this on Instagram recently, but I won't mention the e-commerce vendor behind that website, but I've noticed a lot of these vendors now that do hosting for for people, or you can just put your own website up, have a little e-commerce site, you know, pay a little monthly fee. They are now automatically, for your convenience, of course, charging sales tax on all purchases. Hmm. And you can't just like willy-nilly turn it off. They're, they're right. not allowing you to. For me, I think that's a big turnoff where I'm selling knives to another state. And, you know, there's this so-called landmark case of South Dakota versus Wayfair where some corrupt politicians trying to get a little extra money in the purse and going after some e-commerce sites to establish a precedent. But old Mike Moran's not charging sales tax on knives. I'm just not not going to do it. So I've looked into the laws for all the 45 states that charge sales tax in the United States. And not going to do it. In fact, this site was forcing me to charge and handle all the taxes for all different countries as well. VAT taxes. And hey, look, I don't live in Spain. I don't care about your VAT tax or what other ridiculous tax your corrupt politicians want to charge you. You know, governments don't have anything they don't take in the first place. So yeah, we're we're not going to do this. A little line in the sand. I think that's something we're going to see in the knife industry, if you will line in the sand, hopefully in 2024. There's been a lot of game playing with these social media companies. So one day you can post a knife, one day you can't. And they hide behind the fact that they're a so-called private company, but they're all publicly traded. They all they all have boards and they all have personhood. They, ha- they say they have First Amendment rights. That's how they can give millions of dollars to politics and other causes and So they claim they have First Amendment rights, and they claim they have personhood on their board. But the minute they infringe on your rights, then they say, well, we're private companies. So I I hope to see like people in the industry push back. I just got Knife Magazine today, Neil. I don't know if you've had a chance to peek at it. And they had a nice article talking about social media knives as well, because it's been a little rough end of 2023 for folks with Facebook and Instagram and, and knives in general. Right. So that's my story on the website. So I've, I've oh, figured out a way neat. to use the website, figured out another way to sell the knives. So I'm, I'm sure that'll change. It's always, you're always chasing. Yeah, everything changes. Yeah, you're always chasing. Yep. Somebody's always chasing you. Well, I think that kind of gets us caught up with yeah. what's new in our lives. And we have some pretty neat shows coming up. I know that. Mike and I already have some good ideas and some good guests lined up. So that's right. With any luck, we'll keep pounding away here. That's right. If you're if you're a guest that's been invited to the show, you know you're about to be uh, contacted. If you haven't been invited to the show, maybe there's a reason why. I don't know, but no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have lots of ideas and uh, lots of folks. We want to do a lot of guests. We have fun doing that, don't we? Oh, absolutely. It is fun. Heck yes. I think we'll have to probably strong arm Charlie into into coming back as well. And no need to strong arm him. He's already said, tell me when. Perfect. So, uh, Perfect. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you have ideas or want us to talk about stuff, let us know. 
reach out to reach out to me, moranknives at gmail.com, and we'll see what we can do about that. Now that we're caught up on truck talk, probably won't hear as much truck talk, <laughs> hopefully. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll sneak in some little mini truck stories here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a, maybe a motorcycle or a bicycle or anything with wheels or a little, you know, momentum. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my, my driveway at my new house is a half mile long, so I got to use my truck yep. every week to haul trash cans down yep. into the driveway because I haven't been able. Oh, yeah. Hey, if anyone's listening to this and works at waste management, man, I sure would like to get one of those garbage trucks to come up my driveway. My driveway has a wash in it. For those not familiar, a wash is basically a dry creek bed or river bed that becomes not so dry during heavy rains. So I do have one of those, and I don't know if that's stopping it, but if anybody if anybody wants to help out old Mike get that garbage truck up <laughs> the driveway, boy, that sure would be handy. <laughs> Otherwise, every Sunday night, I'm loading up the truck. Thrills of, of living in the country, I guess. All right, Neil. Well, that was fun to, to get back and rejoin and banter a little bit. Heck yeah. We look forward to more Knife Talk. And uh, thank everybody for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.